All right, uh, I enjoyed watching Pastor Andrew, who did an admirable job last Sunday in my absence, as Marion and I uh, had a little getaway, which was wonderful. Thank you all for uh, uh, asking. We had, a, we had a very relaxing time, except for when Pastor Andrew got on the balance beam. And then we, we turned into intercession mode. We, we, laid, we laid on our faces by the pool. We started interceding. Because uh, we know that that's not necessarily his, his uh, spiritual gift. But praise God. Uh, God brought him through that, and he did a great job sharing the word. And uh, I just so appreciate uh, the wonderful team God's given us here at Living Stones. But get your Bibles open to Mark chapter 4 as we continue this series on Remarkable, Seeing the Glory of Christ Through the Eyes of Mark. Uh, Jesus was a master storyteller, as you all know. And, uh, and I want to show you something here in the first two verses that's, that really highlights, I think it's very significant about Jesus' style of ministry. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat. And then uh, he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. And look at verse 2. This is significant. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables. Now, if you skip forward in Mark chapter 4, you go to verse 33 and verse 34. It says, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. That's pretty astounding. But afterward, when he was alone with the disciples, he explained everything to them. Now, a parable, here's a simple definition. A parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Isn't that a good definition? Earthly story, heavenly meaning. And what I want you to see, sometimes we Westerners, we, we start dissecting all the parables. We start looking at all the details of the parable. But, but how many know when Jesus shared these parables, there was nothing written down? We have them written down because the observers took notes and shared what Jesus shared. But Jesus shared this out of the abundance of his heart. And sometimes I want to encourage us, please hear, hear me in balance here. I'm not saying we shouldn't get in the Word and study the Word and meditate on the Word and put sermons together like I just did today. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus just moved in the Holy Spirit, and he was present in the moment, and the word, because he is the word, the word flowed naturally out of him. And I want to encourage you, when you're in ministry situations, sometimes we get way too focused on, I don't know enough, I don't have my notes, I don't have my notes memorized. Just be who you are in Christ, stick your neck out there, open your mouth, and watch the Holy Spirit amaze you. Because what you see, Jesus is walking with the guys, and stuff's happening around him, and in the context of what's happening around him, he starts speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, telling stories that have four things in them, four M's if you're taking notes this morning. First of all, there's a meaning in the story that he wants us to get. It's not just a story, a bedtime story. It's not just a normal story. It's a story with a meaning. So you have to have ears to hear what's going on. It is a story with a moral. In other words, there's something about the kingdom that God is trying to teach us through Christ and these parables. It's not just a story with a meaning. It's a story with a moral. Also, have you found this to be true about the word? It is a story that acts like a mirror. Can I encourage all of you that... How many of you have been watching The, uh, the Chosen, episode three, year three? Isn't that, isn't that fun? 
So here's what happens. When you have a good heart and you hear the word, you act on it. Now, let me just tell you what's been going on because I get to hear stories. I'm looking out there at Tracy Stirk. Tracy, two weeks ago, you were at home and your knee was not working right. In fact, it was full of pain. You asked for somebody to bring you crutches, right? Because you were committed to coming to church even if you had to come on crutches. I mean, that's a good attitude right there. But your knee got progressively worse to where even the crutches were not working. And so help me out here, but you asked your children or your children prayed for you before they left to come to church and you were watching online. Now, as the service went on, you started realizing that the pain in your knee was not there. And then you were able to stand and you moved your knee and there was no pain in your knee. And what's interesting again is her, her beautiful little children prayed for her and then she's watching and listening to the word of God. The Word has the power to quicken in our hearts miracles and to create things and to do things that are supernatural. Now, does that happen on a regular basis to you? That was kind of like, wow, right? Like you, you, you asked for the crutches because you were planning on getting here however you could. But here's my point. Jesus did something special in her knee. Now, I could tell you stories. We had this Seversons here this morning. Their little grandbaby was in a really, really bad situation, hospitalized all this week. Intercessors were praying. The father was there praying. That baby just came home yesterday. That baby is completely healed. Now, again, here, here's my point. I don't understand how all this works, which leads me to my fourth M, all right? The parables have meanings. The parables have morals. The parables are mirrors because they speak to us, and the parables are mysteries. They're not for everybody to understand. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, quit trying to figure everything out and live in a state of fascination with God. Man, we, we sang this song today about the goodness of the Lord. He's writing our story. Come on. These things should cause faith to arise in our hearts. You might be saying, man, well, I prayed for my knee, and my knee still hurts. Keep praying for your knee. I don't understand all this stuff. I don't understand why God does this way or that way or this time or that time. I don't understand it. Here's my point. Quit trying to understand it. If we could understand God, we would be God. You wouldn't need, to be, you wouldn't need God. You could be God yourself. This is mysterious how God's work, and I'm just telling you, God moves in ways to where when it, when it is a move of God, you can't hardly keep up with what he's doing. It's just incredible. Pastor Dick and Susie talk about when the Iron Curtain fell in Russia, Soviet Union, um, people were getting saved by the acre. Isn't that an amazing expression? People saved by the acre. Why? Because there was a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit in that season that was setting people free. And so everything we sang about today is what we're contending for. Amen? How many of you want to see people that are mentally tormented set free? Families reunited, bodies healed, people who are oppressed by uh, demonic spirits set free. This is all the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I got to tell you, okay, so it was a few weeks ago we were talking about Jesus' pattern for ministry, and I got a text from, from one, of, one of our members. He said, Pastor, when I, I heard the message, we knew we were supposed to go to the hospital and minister to some family friends who he had not particularly seen face-to-face in 40 years. They had a generation curse of alcoholism that has run through that family. The father died of cirrhosis of the liver, and now the son was hospitalized with similar condition. So he heard the word of the Lord, and that's why we're referring to the chosen, because I love the way that they create that image, because Jesus sends them out two by two, right? And they're like, okay, this is what he did. Let's try it. You know, that picture of Matthew, like, running up awkwardly with the oil and smacking it on the guy's head and then backing up. Um, (laughs) 
the point is, these guys were not pros. They were freaking out. But here's the thing. Jesus said, I'm going to send you out with the same authority. So two weeks ago, when I preached this message, or three weeks ago, I said the same thing. This is what we get the privilege of doing. How do you learn how to do it? By doing it. By doing it. You act on the word. And if you don't act on the word, tragic things happen. I'm, I'm going to give you a warning this morning. But this man said, I know God wants me to go up there. He went up. He sees the guy who hasn't interacted with in 40 years. He starts sharing Christ with this man, giving him hope, uh, praying with this man, and praying for this man's body. And by the end of that day, all of his counts that were really, really high had already gone down 40%. Now, how do you, what do you attribute that to? I don't know, but the point is, it's so much more fun just going for it and not having to try to figure it all out. Just let God do what God does. But our job is to sow the seed. Our job is to act on the word. And so let me, let me get you to the first parable here because Jesus tells three parables about seed. Now, how many know if, he, if they're all on the same topic? then Jesus is trying to tell us something really, really important. And, and let me just back up to the mirror thing. Do you, do you remember? This is funny to me. How many times the disciples like pull Jesus aside like Jesus doesn't get it? And, um, and they say, hey, Jesus, I think when you told that parable, the Pharisees were offended. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no kidding. That was the intended purpose. Actually, the intended purpose wasn't to, for them to be offended. It was for them to repent. Because, let me help you out here too. On Sunday morning, if you will come and say, God, speak to me today about my life, not speak to my wife, not speak to my neighbor over there, two seats over, that cut me off and took my parking place and I had to park, <laughs> I had to park behind Pastor Ron's house today. How about we just say, Holy Spirit, be a mirror in my life. Show me what I need to learn. Show me what I need to do. Show me, show me, show me. Uh, if you have a heart like that, God will rock you, and God will move in your life and do supernatural things. So a moral, a meaning, a mirror, and a mystery. And the mystery means it's not for everybody. Well, why would Jesus tell a parable if it's not for everybody? Because how many of you know some people could care less about spiritual things? Who's Jesus speaking to? He's, listen, he's speaking to the spiritually hungry. He's speaking to truth seekers. He's, people, he's speaking to people who want more. They're listening. Who's he not speaking to? The, the spiritually superficial? The spiritually satisfied? The spiritual know-it-alls? He's not speaking to them. In fact, it goes right over their heads. And he did it intentionally because your heart is really, really important. So let's talk about spiritual farming, what I call spiritual farming, the art of sowing seed. And I want to begin reading in verse 15. This is after Jesus is explaining uh, the, the scattering of the seed on the different soils, all right? Verse 15, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So the first place is the footpath. It's as hard as concrete because people are walking on it all the time. And listen, it's a picture of a heart that has become very hard. I can just tell you from being in public settings or even on church on Sunday morning. How many of you know every Sunday morning we scatter seed here? Uh, and have you noticed we preach a lot of the Bible, all right? I don't tell a bunch of stories. I, we preach the Bible. That's what we're doing right now. We're preaching the Bible. What's, what is that? It's the supernatural word of God, and we're scattering seed. Now, I, I can just tell you this. After a Sunday morning service, 
some of you have been so touched by God, you're, you're physically moved, you're encouraged, you're, you're blessed, you're inspired. And the same people sitting in the same atmosphere, listening to the same worship and listening to the same message will leave with nothing. Stone cold. I'm puzzled. I can preach the gospel at a funeral and share the good news of Jesus and watch people stare at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. Or I can find somebody that says, you know what, my heart's not right with God. It's amazing. It's not the seed, it's the soil. The footpath is hard-hearted soil. It's like concrete. And I want you to see something. Every Sunday morning, Satan is working at Livingstone's Church. Now, he's not officially on our ministry team, just so you know that. I would... <laughs> We do not welcome him. He doesn't have a badge that says Living Stones. No, no, no. He's a liar and he's a thief and he doesn't belong here, but he's here. And let me tell you what he's doing. Look at what it says. Satan comes at once to steal what's been sown in your heart. There are people who will be moved or hear something in the service and before they get to their car, it's gone. I've seen people come to an encounter weekend and get rocked. And by Sunday afternoon, they're back in the same sin that they were in before they came. How do you explain that? It's because your heart keeps getting pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded because you're not receptive. You hear, you hear, you hear, but it never penetrates. And that's why I told you, please hear me. The most dangerous place to be if you're hard-hearted and living in rebellion is to come to church every Sunday and be religious. Because it makes your heart even harder. So we have got to be ruthless with the condition of our hearts, which is why during worship, the first thing, if you're feeling dry, dead, distant, whatever, the first thing we should be doing is, Jesus, soften my heart. Jesus, help me to worship you the way you're worthy of worship. Jesus, help me. I've had a rough week. Jesus, I fell this week. I was stupid this week. I can't believe I said that. Jesus, forgive me. Help me. That's the biggest thing you should do to start off your worship time is work on the, on the condition of your heart. Look at what happens here next. Then there was seed that fell on the rocky soil, which is the shallow-hearted people. It represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it in joy. Now listen, churches like ours, I love it because we believe in passionate worship. Can I get an amen? amen. It's not worship designed to move you emotionally. It is worship that is designed to get our focus on God so that the affections of our hearts start bubbling out. Right. Y'all understand the difference? Yeah. Joyless worship would be an oxymoron. So we want emotion attached to our worship, but please hear me. Some people are good at doing the worship thing, and they got it all down, and they're passionate, but they're unstable, and before they get to lunch, they're cussing out the person who went before them at the four-way stop. <laughs> or if something doesn't go right, let's look, let's look at what it says next, because here's where it doesn't go right. It says, uh, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. When do they fall away? As soon as a problem comes up. Or as soon as they get any kind of pushback for believing God's word. So again, you can have people, they got good hearts in the, in the moment. They're like, yeah. But out of this moment, they're like, no. Anybody? And again, I, I prayed with a dear sister who came up today, and she said, that, Pastor, that's me. And she had tears running down her cheek. Praise the Lord. I said, that's awesome. You know what? God's working in you even now. 
What is he trying to do? He's giving you, first of all, self-awareness to realize that's me. And then secondly, your heart's broken and you're repenting. And then thirdly, I encouraged her that God is faithful and he's going to establish her deeply in him as she continues to pursue him. But we've all been there, haven't we, in our, in our baby Christian days? We've been there. Fall away as soon as things don't go our way. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns. This represents divided hearts. Represents those who hear God's word, but the message gets squeezed out. This is, to me, the biggest problem in the American church. There's three W's I want to give you from this passage. Three W's that crowd out the word of God. The first one there, it says the worries of this life. They're so focused on the, 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 the issues around them. You know, Jesus told the disciples, he said, stop worrying about where your next meal is going to come from or how you're going to pay your bill or what you're going to wear. Ungodly people worry about these things. I mean, you know, he rebuked Christians for falling into the worry, the worry trap because we're not supposed to live in worry. It crowds out the life of God in us and the word of God. Look at the second one, the lure of wealth. I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm 100% in favor of every one of us prospering in the Lord so that we have more than enough. But you know what I'm not in favor is you spending your life pursuing wealth for wealth's sake. It's an idol. And you say, I want to be wealthy so that. Well, no, you want to follow Jesus and, be, and do what he's called you to do. And if wealth comes with it, praise the Lord. But you don't pursue wealth. It crowds out the life of God in you. And let me give you a third one, which is important. It says here, all too quickly, the desire for other things. That's the third W. It is want. I want it. I want one of those. I want to experience that. Want, 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 want. It's covetousness. It is constantly uh, having your heart unsatisfied because you always want more. Those three W's will squeeze the word of God out of your life and cause you to be ineffective and unfruitful. But look at the fourth soil here. This is so good. Verse 20. The seed that fell on the good soil or the open heart represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest, check this out, of 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. So let, let, me, let me ask you this question. Some people say, Pastor, don't you get discouraged preaching if only one out of four hearts is even receptive at any given time to the word? Isn't that discouraging? How many of you have ever, you know, been sharing the gospel with people at work and it's just like, you know, seed bouncing off concrete, you know, bing, 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 nothing. Or I said, you can be preaching your heart out at a funeral, and it's like deer in the headlights, and you're like, aren't you folks hearing what I'm talking to you about? You know what I'm talking about. So do you get discouraged? Only if you focus on the wrong soil. Do you know that one good heart that receives the word of God produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Why are we going to be focused on those that aren't quite there yet when we should be focusing on hearts that are wide open saying, yes, I want more of God. I learned in the church I can spend all my time chasing after lost sheep or I can feed hungry sheep that will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold because they're like, come on, I'm hungry for more of God. I'm choosing to go with good soil. How about you? I want to be good soil. How about you? I want to focus on the fact that one good heart that's raised up in this place can change the world. And bad history is replete with people, the good soil people, that have gone on to impact the world in amazing ways. So I'm just telling you there's good soil here. I'm telling you there's 30, 60, and 100-fold people sitting right here. 
And, uh, and we're going to keep sowing the seed, keep sowing the seed. And here's the deal. We're not going to focus on the outcome because it's out of our control. In fact, Jesus goes to the second parable. Check this out. The parable of the growing seed. Look with me in verse 26. And if you guys can get a clock up back there, I will try not to preach into the third service. All right? I know you're working on it. Somebody wave at me. I'm like, Pastor, we're getting a... Oh, wait, we're already there? Okay, good. Don't do that to me. Don't do that. <laughs> You guys are scaring me, man. You're scaring me. All right. Verse 26. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. How many of you know we're farmers? What's our job? So we sow the seed. We love people. We speak the truth. We, we, we share the good news of the gospel. We're like a farmer who scatters the seed. Check this out. Night and day, while Pastor Ron is asleep, or while Pastor Ron wakes up, the seed sprouts and grows, and Pastor Ron doesn't even have a clue as to how it happens. Isn't that beautiful? Put your own name in there. Our job is to scatter. God's job is to make the seed grow. How does he do it? I'm, I don't know. He does it even when I'm sleeping. He doesn't, here's the point, he doesn't need me. He's, wor he, he's working when you're sleeping, and he's working when you're awake. Well, what's he doing? I don't really know. But my heart's just happy because I know who he is. I know his character. I know what he's like. I know what he's up to. I know what he loves to do. Look what it says here. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time has come. Now, this is what's powerful. I appreciate Chris sharing his testimony. Isn't it awesome when people can stand on a stage and say, I used to be this. Yes. I'm not anymore. Jesus has changed my life. And now I'm helping lead you all in the presence of God. I mean, that to me is just the gospel in microcosm. Isn't that incredible? But there could have been times over Chris's journey when maybe people close to him were like, Chris, you're, what, you fell back into using again? You're stealing again? You're lying again? You're cheating again? I mean, you know, that's what happens when you're addicted to anything. Your whole character gets shot. And people could be going, man, you know, Chris, go. But how many of you know the seed was planted? And the seed, whether Chris is awake or asleep or I'm awake or anybody's awake or asleep, the seed is working on its own. This is why, listen, never give up on people. The hardest-hearted person, don't give up on them. Keep speaking the word. Keep confessing what God says about them. If your kids are struggling, I, I don't give the devil a, 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 a foothold into causing me torment, anxiety, fear. Oh, my gosh, oh, my God. No, I just I remind him what a loser he is. I remind him of my seed. I remind him of the heritage that I have in Christ. I speak destiny over my kids. I declare the word. I'm taking seed. I'm taking seed every, every week, and I'm throwing it at my kids. <laughs> Leisha, take a double. Anointing, all right. Seed, 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 seed. Whacking them with seed. Because it doesn't matter to me if it hit hard ground, rocky soil, what's going on. All it takes is a crack of one seed. And something supernatural begins to happen. Amen. In fact, that word, that we get our word automatic from the word in the Greek where it says the seed grows on its own. 
there is life in the seed. Can you see why the power of your tongue is so important? And why what we say about situations is so important. Who are we listening to? What determines the outcome of our lives? You know, you all should be having church, man, when we're singing these songs and declaring truth and, and applying it to your family situation. You know, I was thinking of some folks I met with this week that are still believing for a child who's still addicted and is still not completely free. I'm singing that song we sang for them and crying out for them. Because my heart breaks for people that are still in process. But here's good news. God will, be, will finish the work he began in you, and the seed that was planted is going to come into full maturity. And so here's the deal. You know, we're going to show a time-lapse uh, video tonight of all the project that's been going on there. Now, some days and some weeks I walk out in the foyer and I just, I just look to see if I see anything moving. I want to I see something moving. And uh, when dirt's moving, I love it. When concrete's dumping, I love it. It gets me excited. And, uh, and then some days I'm just standing there and I'm not seeing too much. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Not seeing too much. But you know what? When you watch the time-lapse video, all these people moving real fast. <laughs> Trucks coming in. Cars coming out. Things going on. And you watch, and we're going to show it tonight. That is a picture of your spiritual development from heaven's perspective. Now, we're, I, we see it like this. What'd they do today? All right? But God sees people walking around really fast and things popping up out of the ground because he sees the beginning and the end. And, and I just want to encourage some of you, don't be so hard on your spouse. Uh, some people, man, my husband. Your husband's miles ahead of where he was when you first met him. I, some of you... Some of you are looking at me like, maybe a half mile, but not a mile. <laughs> All right, my point is this. Stop expecting people to be perfect overnight. Every one of us is in progress. And man, I'm telling you, in all the meetings going on that people are sharing their guts and getting free and getting healed and getting delivered, it is such a beautiful thing. It's like Jesus is peeling the, the, the grave clothes off of Lazarus. And yeah, some people are still walking around like this. That's all right. We're still peeling stuff off of them. Don't you quit on them. Keep speaking the word of the Lord. Keep declaring God's word is true. There is power in the word of God. To accomplish the reason that he sent it. He said, my word does not return to me void. Whatever I send it forth to do, it accomplishes. So believe that the grain is growing. You might, it might be imperceptible right now to your eyes. But it's happening. Let me quickly end with this. I still, somebody tell me the time. Do you have the time? 11.15. Oh, piece of cake. All right. <laughs> piece of cake. How about this, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and powerful. Say it with me. The word of God is alive and powerful. So use the word of God. Speak the word of God. It has the power to reproduce. I love this too, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. What do we do? We plant. We water. We plant. We water. That's the nature of discipleship. But God grows people. And so keep a smile on your face. Keep being patient with yourself, with people that you love. Keep speaking life to them and watch what God does. Let's go to the last one here. Parable number three is the parable of the mustard seed. 
Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What can I use to illustrate the kingdom? How many of you know the disciples were hanging on the edge right now? They can't wait to hear what the kingdom is like because Jesus spoke about the kingdom all the time. And Jesus says something next that I'm sure caused their faces just to go, are you serious? Jesus said, what can I use to illustrate the majesty, the greatness of the kingdom of God? The mustard seed. I'm sure they went, what? The mustard seed? The tiniest of all seeds? Listen to what Jesus said. It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. This is incredible. Jesus said, my kingdom's like this. And you know, you've all seen mustard seeds. They're really, real tiny. But then he shows him a mustard tree full of birds, big, giant tree, shady. And he says, that's what my kingdom's like. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. Ready for this? Don't despise small beginnings. Most people, their biggest mistake is they quit. Do you know this, this began with a husband and a wife and three couples in our kitchen at our house? 40 years ago. It's a mustard seed. How did Jesus begin his kingdom? Well, he picked a few fishermen, tax collector, zealot, one at a time. <laughs> Little people in the world's eyes. In fact, isn't that what he, Paul says in 1 Corinthians? He said, how many of you were big shots? Yep, that's what I thought. How many of you were super wealthy? Yep, that's what I thought. How many of you were influential people? Yep, yep, yep. No, that's not. He, he chose mustard seed people. Isn't it great being a mustard seed? <laughs> Mustard's great. <laughs> but here's what I want you to see. Je Jesus is painting a picture because the tree with the branches and the birds was a picture of empires and what empires look like. It was a seal for a great empire. The tree meaning the government, the roots extending far and wide. The birds meaning all the nations of the world coming and resting in that tree. It was a sign of power and influence. Jesus is saying that mustard that mustard tree that the world looks at as, as an empire is exactly what I'm building. I'm building an empire. And the Bible says this. In fact, I see Jason out there. I had, Jason, you got a good question that I didn't get back to yet. I'm going I'm to deal with it right now. I'm not going to pick you out or anything like that, but I'm going to talk about it right now. <laughs> so, so how big is God's kingdom? Sometimes we read that passage of Scripture where it talks about the narrow gate and few that find it and all that, and we actually think when we get to heaven, there's just going to be like four of us. They were smart enough to find the gate. I mean, we, I mean we, tend to, we tend to, like, think, we tend to shrink the grace of God, and we, we tend to think that it's not as expansive and wide and awesome as it is. But, but what does the Bible say in the last book of the Bible, Revelation? There's going to be a kingdom that is so massive that you can't count the number of people that are gathered and, and they're going to be from everywhere. Every nation, tribe, tongue represented. All this started with ordinary and ignorant people. Mustard seeds. So can I just encourage you guys, if we will try to stay ignorant and ordinary, and we do it long enough, like we're ignorant for a long time and ordinary for a long time, we will look back and go, look at what the Lord has done. If you'll stay humble and work on your heart 
And make sure out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so the issues of life are coming out of your mouth. And so you're loving your spouse. You're serving your spouse. You're complimenting your spouse. You're encouraging your kids. You're speaking into their destiny. The, the, the worst enemy in your life, you're not cursing them at the, at the coffee table. You're, you're, you're saying, God, how can I love this person today? The hardest case that you're dealing with, you're just, you're just scattering seed over that situation. And if you'll do that long enough and you'll be patient, you'll see that the seed has within itself the power to reproduce. You will literally reproduce Christ's followers through your life. And how about this? When the storms come, you're not going to fall off the boat because you got some roots. When God's word is being spoken, you're hungry for God's word. And if you're not hungry, you're saying, God, help my heart. How many men, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many men struggle with reading the Bible on a consistent basis? You don't want your heart to be a concrete path that the Bible just bounces off of. You need to ask God to break your heart and to help you fall in love with the Word of God. You know, back to Joe again. Joe, you're a great illustration for my sermon this morning. Thank you. I, I should have probably asked you these things, but I, but I know you'll forgive me later. Somebody's saying, don't talk to pastor. Don't talk to pastor. No. <laughs> Trust me, I know I'm on good ground here. I'm going to end with this. Joe was raised, like many of you, in a tradition where the common people were not supposed to look at the Bible. It was only the highly trained people. In fact, some of you came from traditions where if you did read the Bible, it was a curse spoken over you, you'd lose your mind, you'd go insane, because common people aren't supposed to read the Bible. Now, how many of you know that's from the pit of hell? But if you have had that spoken over your life and you agree with that seed, that seed locks you into a place where you can't receive. So once we found that to be the case, we said, let's renounce that. We love the Word of God. We're grateful for the Word of God. We want to receive the Word of God. Joe said, I want to love the Bible. I want to enjoy the Bible. I want to be fed by the Bible. So we renounce those words. We break that off. And then we come with a wide open heart to the book with the words of life. And I kid you not, Joe's on one of my group texts. There's not a week that goes by that there's not a picture of Joe's Bible with something underlined that he's sharing a nugget of what God has spoken to him every week because he's in the word and the word is changing him and the word is growing him and the word is transforming him and it's transforming his marriage and it's transforming his kids and it's leaving a legacy that's going to be like a big how many of you know Jesus is kingdom's the tree but each one of us have our own little mustard tree and I want my mustard tree to have a lot of big branches and I want lots of people to be able to come and land in the shade of my tree and find refreshment and encouragement and blessing how about you So you know what you do? You just say, Lord, I just, this is where humility comes in. I want to do it better. Can you help me? Lord, I want to pray for people better. Lord, I'd I'd like to see miracles and signs and wonders. I've I've never experienced that. Well, start laying hands on sick people and praying for them. Like you've got a chance. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Focus on your heart. Every week, This was the greatest compliment somebody paid at one of our starting point classes. She said, we visited lots of churches, but we love coming to Living Stones because this church makes us feel uncomfortable. Amen. That's right. 
I, I looked at her funny, but she said this. She said, I want to come to a church where I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. Because without conviction, you won't grow. Right. You won't change. And the Lord knows we all need to grow. Amen? Amen. So why don't we do this? Stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might feel like your heart's really hard. Some of you might feel like your heart's really divided and and fickle. Like one minute you want to live for Jesus and the next minute you're not so sure. Some of you might feel like your heart's just distracted because you got so much going on. But the good news is if you'll let the Lord till the soil this morning and just say, God, I want to have a good heart, God will start weeding. God will start rototilling. He'll start getting the rocks out. He'll create a space where his word will penetrate your life. So if that's you, I want you just to lift your hands in the sign of surrender this morning, just like, Lord, here I am. And I, when I raise my hands, it's like I'm ri- ripping open the doors of my heart. Yes. Just saying, Jesus, we ask you to find good soil in this place. Lord, do whatever it takes. Stir it up. Break the ground. Change us. Mold us. Shape us. Grow us. May we be hungry for your word. May we believe what you say. And Lord, may we be word people. May the word of God flow out of our lips. I just pray that this week, get a vision with me. This week, everywhere we go, we're just scattering. What are we scattering? We're scattering hope, and we're scattering the good news of the gospel, and we're telling people that they're loved and that God's for them and not against them and that they don't have to go through life by themselves on their own. They can be part of a family, and they don't have to experience torment. And if their family is going through a crisis, that don't give up because God loves restoring families. I mean, how many of you know we got all kinds of seed in our, in our bag? So much seed that we can give to people. And the, here's the thing that's really refreshing. You don't have to worry about it once it leaves your hand. Once it leaves your hand, trust the Lord with the seed. Where it lands, what happens next? You know, seeds can lay dormant for a long time, but as soon as they find just a tiny little crack, they take off. So, Lord, lead the seed to the cracks where it can take root and bring about transformation. I just want to pray over our church this morning. If you came here hopeless, may the hope of Jesus flood your heart. If you came here overwhelmed, I just pray that you're encouraged this morning uh, with the encouragement that comes from the Word of God, the promises of God that you not lose your confidence. In fact, the Bible says don't grow weary. Don't don't lose uh, your confidence. Continue to move forward. Continue to stand. Continue to plow ahead. Uh, There's great reward for those who hold on to their confidence. So, Lord, reward your people this morning. And I just say this, too. There might be somebody here today, your heart's been real hard against God. Maybe you've been wounded or hurt or you've been offended by, by God in some way because of something that happened or whatever. There's all kinds of reasons. But if you're here today and your heart is hard toward God, I want to encourage you. There's people up front. In fact, I want our ministry team to come up. There's people that can help you get untangled and can allow the Lord to reign on the, on the ground of your heart. Today can be a supernatural beginning for you. So don't leave. There's so many folks who would love to connect with you and meet you. Lord, I ask you as we leave now to bless our offering as we fund all of our pro-life efforts. Lord, may it, may it lead to many, many lives saved, many, many people blessed. 
Thank you again for this morning. Lord, glorify yourself as we leave here today. Use us mightily for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. 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 We love you guys. Have a super day. If you need prayer, come on down.